So you're with Cosmetics today and we have the amazing Dr. Zach with us to share a little bit of information on COVID-19 and the current situation and what's happening in the cosmetic industry. Hi, Dr. Zach. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's very, uh, it's very fun to be part of this and streaming in live and uh, via Zoom, even though lots of parts of the world, I think, are I almost wish I was a DJ, actually. I could, I could bring a bit of, like, COVID-19 <laughs> DJ. <laughs> Whereabouts are you now? Are you at home? Um, yeah, so I live between Sydney, Brizzy, Canberra, Melbourne, and the Sunshine Coast. And so uh, I'm actually at near one of the few clinics in the Sunshine Coast. And so I escaped up here because uh, Queensland was going to put a lockdown for three weeks yeah um rather than new south wales not having any so i popped up here so i could close off all the clinics because at the moment we've had to shut down a whole lot of them so we shut down our 12 clinics in queensland so just moving on to talk a bit about the coronavirus could you um give us a bit of an update of where we are currently at um in australia yeah so look we had um several days of uh, at least plateauing and new cases which was great so we so when you think about um, uh, the the ratio of new cases versus how we were testing. We were kind of going up like this and then we've been drifting off and the curve has been flattening. And the reason why we want a flatter curve, the reason why we want this angle to be reduced is because we want to find uh, and give ourselves enough time so that there's as few people as possible that um, catch the virus before we get a vaccine. Uh, as you see in a few other countries, the, the virus basically has a kill rate of around about two to three percent. But in saying that, we probably have a a mortality rate in our country of probably around about one point eight to two percent anyway. The issue being, and a lot of people say this all the time, but this a normal virus kills as many people. A normal the normal cold kills as many people. Well, that's the normal cold that's already completely disseminated worldwide. So the other viruses, the H1N1s and, and, and the other rotaviruses and noroviruses, which true, kill half a million people a year or more, they are already completely disseminated. So everyone is already exposed to them. Vulnerable people are already exposed and are surviving and are building up immunity. The problem with this is that we've only had about 5% of the population exposed to this virus so far, and it's going to increase to probably 60 to 80% of the population within this first year. And if we have a mortality rate of, of 2 to 4% just from this one virus in the first year, that's when it starts extrapolating. We start thinking, wow, this is actually a lot more serious and it's certainly a lot more infectious than other diseases. Even though it's a very, in my opinion, a very fair uh, disease in that um, it's not like the Spanish flu, which kills 20 to 40-year-olds. It's not like cholera that, killed, that kills children. This is a very fair disease in some ways in that often the people that were possibly going to go first um, are, going to, are going to be knocked off first, which is generally the elderly and the people that have immunodeficiencies and the people that are, have got other problems. So in that aspect, it's great. But the other side of that is that these people are very vulnerable um, and can be knocked off quite quickly. So we are flattening the curve. Today, though, there's actually a large increase, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. We had a few days of, it, of it plateauing or even reducing, and then today it's actually been higher. Whether or not that's because lots of people get tested over the weekend mm. and the testing centres don't actually give you the results back until a Monday or a Tuesday. 
there's a few ways to always look at these data, this data and results. But if you look at New York with 70,000 cases mm. and several thousand deaths, they just had a huge uh, military ship. And I, I used to be in the Navy actually and used to um, look very good in my white uniform. Short shorts. <laughs> 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 it was famous. But I've got a thousand bed um, military hospital arriving into Manhattan at the moment up the Hudson. Yeah. So it's it, it might have got a sister and a brother in New York as well. So it's it's Oh they're going. So they're, they're they're lucky in that my youngest brother fled down to Florida, so he's actually just chilling by by the beach, kind of lucky lucky sod. Yeah, yeah. in the sun. <laughs> That's it. Virus so hates the sun. Virus <laughs> hates the sun, exactly right. So um they're doing well. My sister is up up north uh, and moved, went up to the mountains. But this virus is changing very quickly. We, it's surprisingly how little we know about it. Um, like you would think that we should know by now, like the the the, the temperature at which the viral wall breaks down, but we don't. We know about other coronaviruses. Um, there's about forty different types of coronavirus, in fact, and seven of which infect humans. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. And so, yeah, this is why it's Corona-19 is that it's one of 19. Well, that's based, partially based on the little tiny uh, uh, like antennas that sit on the, on the outside. I guess my background as well before medicine is I was a um, biochemist. So um, I used to make drugs and make, make uh, uh, try and make cures for malaria many, many, many years ago. Um, in labs and so you used to have to try and make malaria as deadly as possible just like this virus and then and then try and kill it with whatever medications you'd come up with um so it's kind of like what's trying to happen now people are trying to make as deadliest a, a coronavirus as possible so that we can kill it where do you see us heading if we're sort of keep the way that we're going now where do you see the virus and our situation heading? thankfully Federal government is now pushing a lockdown. I mean, essentially, we are foolish to believe that we are any different to anyone else in the world. We need to have a period of being locked down. And that just means that we have a period of reduced spread so that we can get people infected, but at a controlled rate. That's essentially what we're trying to do. We want to try and get people like, like getting vaccinated and when our bodies are exposed to, to a virus, the innate immune system learned a little bit, a little bit how to how to fight it and kill it off, which is why you don't get as sick the following time. You can catch this again if you don't catch this very well the first time, or your immune system doesn't pick it up very well the first time. You can catch it again. So oh, the really? idea is, I've, that, I've heard that once you have it, you can't get it again. Yeah, it and for, for for you and I, that's right. probably yeah. the case. Okay. You and I, that's probably the case in its in its exact form as it is now. Yeah. But next year, it might have developed and changed a bit and mutated a little bit with a new type of virus, and it's going to be a little bit adaptive. The reason why we have flu vax every year mm -hmm. is that this year, this is what my job used to be a little bit when I was a biochemist, is trying to combine different viruses from this year and make them as bad as possible to try and see what they would look like next year with a year's worth of adapting and changing. Mm -hmm. And then we'd make a virus, then we'd make a vaccine on what we predicted next year's virus to be like. Really? <laughs> and that's why you can still get the you still can still get the influenza when even after you've had when I mean, you hear people go oh I've had the vac I had the flu vax and I still got sick yeah well that's that's exactly right because we're trying to predict this year right now what the virus will be like next year and so we're giving you what we presume the strains will be as as much as we can make them 
bad and evil in a, in a petri dish in a, in a lab. And so that's why this virus right now, if you've got good immunity, you probably won't catch it again. And how have you um, kind of seen a lot of the clinics adapting during this time? Yeah, well, I mean, we were fortunate in some ways because a lot of our clinics are set up as medical clinics to begin with. So a lot of the procedures and things, we didn't actually have to change a lot. Um, however, it was a very fast changing four weeks leading into it from, from staff who were pregnant or had, we have a few staff who uh, had immunodeficiencies, we had a couple of staff that are on chemotherapy who had to be doing work from home. It's difficult to do a facial from home. Um, and so what we had to start doing is looking at ways in which we could uh, use them to promote or use them to uh, catch up on all of the things that you do when you're running a big, a uh, lot of clinics and you're running an, uh, a company, I guess you kind of fall behind on. So a lot of staff, we started looking at our policies and our procedures and we started looking at building a workbook out. I brought a fair few staff who had some training backgrounds on building out a uh, a training platform <clears throat> and we've sort of been building that out now as well because at the same time as all this what since we had to lock down uh, a lot of our clinics which is the right thing to do I mean thankfully being an, uh, a medical clinic we were able to stay open but we made the decision early on to not to, to close off and I mean as much as you think Botox is an emergency it's probably not that much of an emergency yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, have to have about, I have a few patients that are um, quite well off who are on yachts at the moment and I've been getting messages the last couple of days trying to get them to fly me out in their private helicopter to do a Botox yacht party. Oh, um, no. I wish that was the biggest <laughs> of my problems. <laughs> so I wish we could all do that, but no, we're, not, we're not doing that. So at the moment it's been, it's been looking at online platforms and ways in which we can do things and educate people, but also like very rarely do you get the time to chill out um, and have a forced chill out and have a forced maybe rethink about the ways in which you do do your processes and your procedures and, and your business. And it's been nice to also ask all about staff. We've got 65 people across our clinics that we had to um, put on put on hold at the moment and, and have a chat to and try and work out they've got good ideas and things and everyone's got great ideas. So it's been nice looking at how we might be able to implement some different perspectives. A lot of people have been saying that like younger people aren't taking it as serious as they should be. Um, what do you think about that? And do you kind of have any advice for our younger audience? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting ethical question, I think, because we're essentially asking a whole lot of young people, a whole lot of people in their prime, a whole lot of otherwise healthy people to halt their life, stop working, ruin a lot of careers or at least ruin the economy for a long time for what's potentially a very small part of our population. <laughs> and without sounding quite um, blatant about it, you're seeing a few places in Europe, um, especially in France, that are saying, actually, no, we are not going to sit back. We actually are aware that this is quite dangerous. But... Uh, where we don't we don't think that the 60 plus or 70 plus year old people uh, they don't vote like us they vote against us they they uh, have a lot of the wealth they have so there's a lot of communities at the moment rising up going in actual fact there's a lot of inequalities and so i think that some of the things in australia to, to note here is that we have a very fair society for a lot of things we 
um, can help a large portion of the population, including our parents. Um, because a lot of our parents are baby boomers. They're all 60 to 70, and these are the people that are the most vulnerable. Yeah. And just any final advice for our sort of listeners about the topic or? Uh, I think we're going to be quite fortunate in Australia now that we've lost our borders down for, for a little while, that I think we'll be able to get back into some of the clinics within about a month, mm-hmm. the medical grade clinics and some of the other ones up to three months. I think the ethical thing is going to be you having to think about how necessary is your business to the community in terms of if you were to start back again and you aren't doing practices and you aren't keeping everything clean, how would you feel if you were to become a a major source of of spread of infection? If a patient came in and in four weeks time when everyone's done lockdown and then you open up again and start spreading it around. So it's gonna be a very, um, it's gonna be something that as clinic owners, we're going to have to think about. Certainly, we will be going back um, in a graded, in a staged way so that we have um, probably our nurses go back first and they'll just be a manager and a nurse and patients will still be required to have 10-minute gaps with desterilisation. And then as you go back, um, get more staff to come back. And as uh, over the next few months, as we watch each day whether the curve starts steepening again, if it starts deepening again, we then have to lock down measures again. But if it stays in this flat, flat line, we can go, cool, let's bring another staff on. We have another staff on. And maybe we'll get to stage in three to six months' time where we go, cool, we're now back to business. We're now back to where we go again. Um, I think that's probably going to be something that we have to have a look at. And, and as practitioners and also as people who use these services, think about how you're going to go back and what what you would do and what uh, how you would face being a patient 31 and infecting 5,000 people. It's not going to be a good feeling. I think it's better to probably go back very slowly and cautiously. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Great. Thank you, Thank you so much. And you can find Dr. Zach on Instagram at Dr. Zach Turner and he can answer all of your questions. Please be advised that we are not medical practitioners and that some guests may have different perspectives from ourselves and what our brand stands for. You should always consult your medical practitioner with regards to cosmetic products and procedures and whether they are suitable for you individually, as we will not be held liable for any misinformation.